Welcome to the Journey Women Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Bielis. Life's a journey we were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way. On the Journey Women Podcast, we'll chat with mentors about gracefully navigating the seasons and challenges we face on our journeys to glorify God. On today's episode of the Journey Women Podcast, I chatted with Christy Anyabwile about what to do when church gets hard. Y'all, we ran the gamut on what kind of stuff makes church difficult and why it's important that we press in even when it's challenging. Christy said, It's important even to work through those forced and unnatural situations, those difficulties, those personal sin, whatever. It's worth it to work through those things because God is doing something supernatural through the church. He's making his wisdom known. And we get to play a part in that. Chrissy is a pastor's wife, mom, Bible teacher, and author of his testimonies, My Heritage, Women of Color on the Word of God, which is going to be released this September. She works with the Charles Simeon Trust as the Associate Director of Women's Workshops, helping equip women as Bible teachers. She joyfully supports her husband of 27 years, Tabidi, as he pastors Anacostia River Church in Washington, D.C., Man, I can't wait for y'all to hear from her today. But you know before we go there that I want to tell you about our incredible sponsors who help make this conversation possible. Westrock, FabFitFun, and Crossway. Crossway's purpose as a not-for-profit ministry is to publish gospel-centered, Bible-centered resources that honor our Savior and serve His church. They seek to help people understand the massive implications of the gospel and the truth of God's Word for all of life and for the glory of God. A new book called Competing Spectacles by Tony Ranke helps us stop and consider what consequences the world's never-ending stream of digital images has on our minds. Ranke's the author of 12 Ways Your Phone is Changing You. But in this book, he invites us to ask ourselves hard questions about how our digital habits affect how we view Jesus. As a millennial who desires to abide in Christ while simultaneously engaging culture, I found this book incredibly helpful. If you're like me, you'll walk away encouraged to gaze upon the glory of the gospel, knowing it will empower you to walk in Christ-likeness. Learn more about competing spectacles and find other resources at crossway.org slash journeywomen2. Now, on to my conversation with Christy Anyabwile about what to do when church gets hard. Christy, welcome to the Journey Women podcast. I'm so happy to have you on the show. Thank you. I'm so happy to be on the show. It's an honor. It's really fun to get to talk to you. I saw you standing on a stage at TGCW 18 talking about Deuteronomy. I think it was chapter six. Was it six, four, and five? Yes. Mm -hmm. It was so encouraging to me as a mother, Christy, just to talk about or to hear you talk about exclusively loving God and obeying Mm -hmm. him and passing that on to the generations that are coming after us. And I feel like that's so much of your heartbeat is discipleship. And it's fun to get to watch you disciple even some of the women that we've had on the show. So this is great to get to sit in the closet and be discipled by you in a sense today on the Journey Women podcast. Oh, thank you. I wish we could be in the closet together. That would be just a bonus. But <laughs> Brooks and I have tried to be in this closet together, and you might wish otherwise if you saw how small it was. <laughs> hey, you know, I'm like, I'm kind of, I'm a Southern girl, so I'm all about like touchy-feely, so the closer the better, hey. <laughs> yes, yes. I wish we could be having a cup of tea and talking about these exactly, things. Exactly, yes. You've been working in church, uh, helping support the church and do discipleship and loving your brothers and sisters in the local church for years. Uh, I know your husband, Tabidi, who many may recognize, is a pastor of Anacostia River Church in Washington, D.C. How long have you guys been there? Uh, We've been here, we've been in the city five years, but our church just celebrated its fourth anniversary this year. And uh, it's just been a really sweet time of getting to know our neighbors and just trying to be disciple makers where we are. So, you know, our vision, we say, is to um, make disciples of Jesus Christ from the four corners of the block to the four corners of the globe. And so um, our ministry is focused a lot on both, you know, being a good neighbor and trying to reach them with the gospel Uh, but also being more missions-minded internationally as well. I love that so much. Okay, so how long have you been going to church, Christy? My whole life I've been going to church. So (laughs) 
I grew up with my elderly grandmother. We bas- I basically slept with her from the time I can remember. And she was the godly influence mm. um, in my life early on. So I've been going to church, you know, since I was a kid, but the Lord saved me um, as a young adult soon after, you know, not a couple of few years after Tabidi and I got married. Um, so, yeah, we've been walking with the Lord now for, oh, gosh, uh, 25 ish years, 20, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that might be you know right. What? The math gets hazy when it's been that long. I know, okay. exactly. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> Um, so I know church is obviously a wonderful experience and there are some times and seasons and some of our listeners may be in that right now when church gets tough for a whole host of reasons. Uh, That's what we're going to talk about today. So what are some examples of things that make getting together with other believers in the context of the local church hard? Tell us a little bit about your own experience there. Well, you know, my husband's a pastor, so I kind of don't get a pass, <laughs> but some people do, right? And and you can tell that church is difficult for them because they stop showing up. Right. But for people like me, church can be very difficult, but I'm still, I still have to show mm-hmm. up. Right? And what does that look like, feel like? It's not always pretty, right? But I think some of the reasons that might make it hard for believers to gather. One of the primary ones I think is personal sin. You know, personal sin to me has been the number one, I would say, reason. If I start to see people falling away, slipping away from the gathered church, or just becoming absent for any extended period of time, more times than not, it's because of some personal sin. Hmm. Um, And I think shame, guilt, or even indulgence, right? Just being happily, you know, settled in a pattern of sin can keep us away from the gathered body or just can make it difficult for us to show up. Yeah, I definitely have experienced that. So not exempt. (laughs) Same. Exactly. When I'm in sin too, it, you know, it does make you want to draw away from the very source that the Lord is, is calling us to, right? So the Lord is calling us to the fountain you know, and then we want to stay away when we're in sin. Mm. I think secondly, um, fractured relationships in the body, whether that's from leadership or uh, fractured relationship with a friend, uh, that's another one that can make it really, really difficult to be a part of the gathered body. And again, speaking from the standpoint of uh, pastor's wife, you're not always the most popular I mean, you're always the most popular, but (laughs) (laughs) that can be positive or negative. (laughs) Definitely be positive or or negative. And so having to show up when you know that there um, is someone or some, you know, or people, you know, individuals um, who are not happy with you or who you're not happy with Mm -hmm. for for some reason um, can make it really difficult to put on a smiling face uh, when you show up Sunday morning. I think also doctrinal agreement, disagreements, you know, yeah. you have to, that you're just not, you're not clicking with as far as some teaching of the church. And that can make it difficult when you, you know, fear that, okay, this doctrinal issue is going to come up on this Sunday. I see, you know, where the pastor is going with this series. And I'm not sure if I want to hear him talk again about, this topic Mm -hmm. or that topic, um, or just being an all out disagreement with some issue doctrinally. And then also today has been just an, I think a long series that I think there are a, 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 a lot of people who have been in a long season of difficulty with the gathered body because of social and political disagreements as well. Uh That seems to be um, such Um, a pull away from the body of Christ uh, right now. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, those are some. For me, I've definitely experienced personal sin that just makes me want to hide or stay away. Relationships that I've had difficulty with, not not so much doctrinal or social political disagreements, but that's just because I generally agree with the pastor, you know? (laughs) (laughs) You kind of like him. 
<laughs> as far as the church goes. But you know what? That's not always the case between pastor and pastor's wife. For so sure. it's not a blanket statement, I can imagine. but that's in my experience. Yeah, that's a blessing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think it is a blessing. But I think with those, for example, with personal sin, it really is just important to find someone that you can confess your sin um, to and someone who can encourage you to confess your sin to the Lord mm-hmm. uh, and be working towards reconciliation. Um, if there's some personal disagreement or fracture with the relationship, you know, someone to hold you accountable, someone that I guess what I'm saying with whatever kind of um, issue that might be making it difficult for you to be with the gathered body is that you need help. Mm. You need a Accountability. You need a person whom you feel safe with, that you can go to with those set of issues and who can help you walk through them. Um, maybe they don't have the practical, you know, you know, all the steps in terms of what reconciliation would look like if you have an issue with a friend or what repentance would look like if it's personal sin or how to resolve those doctrinal disagreements. But someone who can pray with you, someone who can be asking you hard questions and um, can listen to you as you process, someone who's going to point you to your your pastors or a, a trusted leader in the church um, who can counsel you or walk with you. Um, so I guess that's that's kind of my encouragement is that uh-huh. if you're any of those situations to find someone safe that you can share your life with. Um, and who can point you to the appropriate appropriate sources of counsel and wisdom to help you walk through those. That's what I find helpful for myself is to have accountability and, and prayer partnership and friends. I love that encouragement so much, Christy. And one of the things I was thinking about as I was thinking what questions I want to ask you is just how season of life is something that I see because I'm in uh, the throes with like two little tinies. And I love the boldness that you just uh, so gently kind of laid forth for us just to call sin, sin, because as you're talking, man, the word like was bringing about conviction in my heart because I'm like, oh, the reason why season of life is hard is because I like to have control and because I don't want things to be hard for me. You're lovingly exhorting me towards the truth as I'm sitting here in the closet. Yes, the baby schedule is like difficult to navigate on a Sunday morning, but ultimately like scripture is really clear that we should not give up the habit of meeting together in Hebrews. It talks about that. We're actually going through that with our church right now. We have a lot of young families, Mm -hmm. a lot of first time parents, and it's hard getting out of the house. And then once you, we're a small church plant. So, you know, we don't have a nursery and all of these things set up. We meet in a, in a school. So we don't have all these things set up for parents. That's a challenge. um, Right. It's a huge challenge. And so what we've tried to do is just encourage young moms to ask for help. And it's been a blessing to see them do that, you know? So one friend in particular, she has a a young child, and she'll call, uh, text several of us on a Sunday morning and say, hey, we're having a hard time this morning. Can someone sit with us in service today? You know, several of us will make sure that we're there by the time she gets to church. We'll find her and tag team with the baby and things yes. like that. So I think, again— that is the church being the church. Exactly. The church being the church and you reaching out and making those partnerships happen, Right. That's such a grace-filled piece. And like, as I think about our body of believers that we meet with uh, locally here, that was one of the things that characterized like the church when we first walked in the doors. And that's part of the reason why we landed there is because people were so incredibly hospitable, just welcoming us as Christ has welcomed them and us. (laughs) And so that's what it should look like. And if it doesn't, I think your encouragement just to, to ask for help is a great way to help others see your need, even if they don't have to see it yet. Yeah, yeah. And then I think too, as the body of Christ, you know, when people ask for help, it takes a lot for someone to ask for help. And we need to be sacrificial. Yes. Yes. Me too. I think I got that control thing too, girl. But you know, (laughs) like for those of us who are being asked Mm -hmm. uh, to be self-sacrificial and know that it has taken a lot for a mom to ask for help and we need to be prepared to um, reach out to her in love and to give of ourselves in that way. 
You're going to have every mom in D.C. coming and visit, visiting your church on Sunday. I, I hope so. We love it. And we don't mind crying babies either. My husband will preach right through them. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, I, I love that grace-filled piece. That's such a beautiful exhortation and then also just a reminder for us to not just muscle through it. And I'm thankful because Scripture is so clear that we shouldn't give up the habit of meeting together. And... Sometimes I just wonder, like, why when it's so hard in certain contexts, certain situations, like you mentioned, the doctrinal disagreements or, you know, season of life, why does church feel unnatural and forced if we know that it's something that's good for us because God has clearly laid it out for us in Scripture as one of his mandates? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think sometimes even if you're not having a particular hardship like the ones we mentioned earlier, Sometimes church can just feel unnatural or forced or whatever because our hearts are hardened towards the church for some other reason. You know, maybe there's still a sin issue, but maybe there's been some hurt in the past that we have carried into our current church situation and now our hearts are hardened. And so church just feels like, oh, it's a chore. You know, I have to go again before these kinds of people in this particular type of way, you know, like, and so I think just praying that the Lord would reveal that hardness of heart to us and would release us from it so that we can enter our places of worship with hearts that are soft and ready and eager uh, to be with the saints somewhat connected to that is just um, spiritual dryness, you know, when you're just in a dry spell spiritually. Yes. <laughs> a nursing mother right here with a lack right. of sleep. I can yes. identify. <laughs> For what all kinds of reasons. You just have For not sure. been in a habit of being in the word and with the Lord in prayer on a regular basis and you're just dry. So of course, then it only makes sense that church is going to feel unnatural and forced because You've not been connected to the one whom we go to worship at our Sunday gatherings. So uh, I think sometimes it, you know, it might feel unnatural or forced in that way. Sometimes it's just that we haven't prepared our hearts in advance for worship, right? Like Mm. you haven't read the passage that's going to be preached that Sunday. You haven't prayed for the gathering. You haven't prayed for those who are ushering, those who are leading in worship, the pastor who's going to be preaching that Sunday. Um, You haven't Mm. prayed for your hearing or for those who attend to be impacted by the word or for your own hearing and how the Lord would prepare you to take in the word and then to apply it later. Like sometimes we think about all those things as the things that we do after we hear a message then I will pray about it. Then I will ask the Lord for wisdom on how to apply it. Then I will, you know, extend prayer to the nations based on what I've heard. But I think we do all of those things before we even hear the preach word and it prepares our hearts to be ready to listen, you know, and there are a lot of things going on in the gathered worship, right? There are Uh part of our worship service is us speaking to God right? And we're speaking to him in prayer. We're speaking to him as we sing songs of praise and worship. We're speaking to him in other kinds of ways. And then there's parts of the service where God is speaking to us. He's speaking to us as we corporately pray together and hear from God what he would speak to us as we're we're praying together corporately. And we hear him speak to us through his word as it's being preached to us. So There's this two-way communication happening in the course of the worship service, but we don't wait for the worship service to start, that communication to begin. We have to prepare for that ahead of time, if that makes sense. You have this gracious way of speaking so kindly, Christy. (laughs) 
And yet it's cutting to the heart in a good way because I never, you don't think about that, but you know, as a pastor's wife, I bet you're very aware of your need for the supplication of other believers who are coming to church to be interceding on your behalf and all the logistical things that we just show up a lot of times as church members, um, especially if we're not super involved in service, uh, expecting to happen and thinking like that this comes easy. But I know there's so much work that goes on behind the scenes and I love that exhortation because nursing mamas like me, like we have the time to pray. And um, when you were talking about just, you know, your heart feeling cold and dry, there's just been a lot of <laughs> scrolling on social yeah. media on my end and just, you know, feeling the ramifications of that and just begging the Lord, like, God, would you just cause me to hunger after um, your word? And I just can't think of a better way to spend that time in the chair nursing our newborn uh, than to pray for our church leaders and things like that, those things, they just really, honestly, this is so egocentric to admit, but I Mm. just don't, that doesn't cross my mind very often. And I imagine a lot of the listeners are in the same position. So thank you so much for that exhortation. And I want to hear what you have to say, continue on, but I just want to say thank you. I felt very convicted. You know, I'm convicted myself because it's not that it's not that I'm you know, I'm not great at it. And there, there are many Sundays when, you know, I've entered into the worship service unprepared. Hmm. Um, and that's, you know, I won't say to my shame, but definitely a conviction, you know, that something amazing and miraculous is happening when we have the privilege and the freedom of gathering together. We get to hear from God. Hmm. <laughs> you know, that is no small thing. Yes, that is no small thing. And so, yeah, so I'm convicted myself, but praise God that it's reaching someone else <laughs> besides me. Reorienting to the truth all over the hey, place. Hey, you know, we need it. <laughs> I think here's another another big one, too. And this is one that I've experienced as well, is crossing cultural boundaries. Sometimes mm-hmm. church is just unnatural, forced, however you want to phrase it, because we're getting accustomed to how things are done differently in this place. From the order of service to the songs that are, yeah. you know, that are sung to the am- amount of the number of prayers, the length of the prayers, right. the length of the sermon, the standing up, the right? sitting down. Yes, all the <laughs> things, right? To the amount of white space or lack thereof in the service, mm-hmm. you know, to just just the overall feeling of community and whether or not you feel warmed to, by your community or or cold you know, by your community. So I think sometimes just knowing that you're in a different space culturally Mm -hmm. and trying to navigate that can make church feel very unnatural. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think to, to work through is to be thinking through, okay, what's most important for me in this moment? And how do I stay focused on that and not be distracted by, uh, I don't know the tune of this song. I never heard this For before. Sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. Am I supposed to stand now or sit down? Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm the only one standing. Everyone else Why is Why is everyone raising their hands during this benediction? <laughs> What's exactly, happening? <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. And why everyone is saying the same phrase at the same time. I don't even know that I was supposed to do that, you know? Um, so there are all kinds of things like that that happen just as cultural moments in the church that can make it feel a little unnatural with that. I mean, you just have to keep going and you just have to keep, you know, remain focused on, okay, what, what am I supposed to be, mm-hmm. you know, receiving from the Lord in this moment and trying to stay focused on that and not distracted by the things that might be causing us a little dissonance because of some cultural, you know, boundary that we're crossing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, those are some of the things that I can think of as to why church might not feel quite as natural as we would like for it to feel on a Sunday morning. When it's not feeling organic and easy and when it's not really clicking for you, why is it important that we still pursue getting involved, even if it is like a foreign context? Oh, lots of reasons, lots and lots of reasons. But think about what the the church, you know, Ephesians uh, 3 mm. tells us that it's through the church that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. I mean, 
I don't even know if I can unpack that. That's a mic drop. Or otherwise, besides the fact that the church is an amazing creation of God that puts his wisdom on display in so many different ways. And so it's important even to work through those forced and unnatural situations, those difficulties, those personal sin, whatever. It's worth it to work through those things because God is doing something supernatural through the church. He's making his wisdom known. And we get to play a part in that. We get to practice through the church our heavenly vocation, right? We only do in part once on, you know, once a week, maybe twice a week, depending on, you know, the church you go to, what we're going to be doing for eternity, being a maker. Yeah, it's important to be involved in a local church, to be a member, to do all that you can to have your body part contribute to the whole. Uh-huh. There's a song, uh, it's an old song, I don't know, it's like, a, oh, my dad used to like these old gospel quartets. <laughs> I mean, there's some classic ones out there, but look, y'all need to be, you just need to be educated on the gospel keynotes, the Jackson Southern Airs. They're just like old, old, old classic. Ooh, I gospel can't wait to quartet. listen. Anyway, they had uh, one of them. I don't even know which one had a song that, and it says something like, this is just a rehearsal. When we get to heaven, we're going to really sing. Yeah. And it's just like, man, it's just, I love that song because it reminds us of what this life really is. This life is just a rehearsal. This is not our home. This is where we practice. But in heaven, that's where game is on, right? And so why shouldn't we be all in with what God has called us to be now because it's what we're going to be doing for eternity. So we need to learn church here. Yes. You should have seen my face when I'm sitting here in the closet, because when you said that, it kind of clicked for me, where it's like, yeah, like if we say we love the Lord, and if we want to be with Him in eternity, why would we not want to be with all the people with whom we will be worshiping Him for all eternity? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be the same people, but every tribe, language, tongue. It's going to be amazing from all different generations. Yes, yes. And we will be glorified. There'll be no more sin. I mean, to have a perfect worship all the time before the Savior, I cannot imagine. Yeah, so while we're still here, the church is also a place for us to be cared for spiritually, right? We have been given leaders, you know, pastors and elders and deacons and all those people right. who care for us spiritually. So you want to be involved in the local church because that's where you're going to uh, receive spiritual care. That's where you're going to receive accountability through fellow church members and friends. That's where we live out the one another's of scripture, you know, where we love one another deeply from the heart, where uh, we encourage one another, where we teach one another, where we rebuke and correct one another. And it's where our growth as disciples of Christ is facilitated through the church, right? Totally. So we, you know, yes, there's an eternal perspective, but there's also a here and now with the reality of sin and brokenness and the things that we face on a day-to-day basis. We need the church for that spiritual care and accountability and um, for our our growth as um, disciples of Christ. Yes, for sure. And like you said, I can't wait for the presence of sin to be no longer. But we still are struggling and wrestling with (laughs) the realities of sin here on this side of heaven. So what is it or who maybe that unites us even in the midst of the hardship that we experience as we're doing life together, which can be kind of clunky and difficult, as you've described? Yeah. Well, Sunday school answer, Jesus. Love it. But for real, for real. (laughs) But I'm going to start with the spirit, right? Because we're called to keep the spirit of unity through Mm -hmm. the bond of peace, right? Mm -hmm. We're to walk in unity as believers. And we do that by God's spirit uh, that unites us as a people and that is left here as our deposit until Christ's return. Right now, we have God's Spirit with us, keeping us, guiding us, 
correcting us, helping us to live as the body of Christ. And then, of course, it's, it's through the gospel that we're actually made to be a family. And because we're united by faith in the gospel and by that faith, we're adopted into God's family that cuts across any division or boundary or difficulty or whatever else that might try to separate us as God's people. Mm-hmm. You know, it is God's spirit through the gospel, and it is Jesus himself who took upon himself human flesh and who was embodied <laughs> so that he might know what it was like to live in human flesh, yet without sin. And so Jesus entered into our reality with all the temptations and limitations of the physical body, mm-hmm. except without sin. So he entered to our pain and our suffering and all those things that, that we experience. And that too is a part of what we need to grasp hold of as believers that Jesus has taken on himself those things that would hinder or separate us, and he has nailed them to the cross. Now we get to live in freedom from those things, and we're not, we don't need to be bound by them or enslaved to them any longer. So I think it's with that knowledge of what Christ has done on our behalf that we can live in more freedom and we can live more fully in the context of the local church. Yes. He has made us to be a kingdom of priests and a kingdom that is imaging forth all that God intended for us. Yeah, I think we just need to be reminded. Mm-hmm. We're not limited by our sin in those things, but that those sins have been nailed to the cross and so we can live in freedom. You know, as I'm thinking about the things that have been hard for me in the context of church, so much of it has to do with things that Jesus himself faced. And I find so much encouragement just by looking to his example in the Gospels because he responds totally counter to the way in which I feel my flesh wanting to respond. And he just throws down the gauntlet, obviously, completely without sin in the way in which he interacts with those who are betraying him, those who are uh, mocking him, scorning him, all of the things. And it's just, it's such an encouragement to me to hang out there when I feel personally like wounded by someone in the church or outside the church as well. I know you all are loving this conversation with Christy, and because of that, I want to tell you about the other sponsors that helped to make today's episode possible, Westrock and FabFitFun. If you aren't sure what FabFitFun is or how it works, it's a seasonal subscription box with full-size beauty, fitness, and lifestyle products. That means that four times a year when your FabFitFun box arrives on your doorstep, you get the exciting experience of opening it to see all the fun new items you've received. It really is so fun. Each box retails for $49.99, but always has a value of over $200. Cha-ching! Hey, don't miss out on any of the seasons because these boxes sell out fast. To check it out, go to fabfitfun.com and use the code JOURNEY so that you can save $10 off your first box, making it only $39.99. Again, that's fabfitfun.com and use the code JOURNEY for $10 off your first box. Our other sponsor for today's episode is Westrock. From crop to cup, Westrock works with farmers on a personal level to help them grow high-quality coffee. Westrock farmer Christine is a coffee farmer in Rwanda. Christine's a single mom of nine children and tends to 600 coffee trees. Coffee was Christine's opportunity to provide for her children. Working with Westrock, she receives a fair price for her coffee and she's always paid on time. This consistent income allows Christine to send her children to school, put food on the table, and invest in her farm. This is just one of the many stories highlighting Westrock's impact through coffee. When you drink Westrock coffee, you're sharing in a story of sustainability for farmers like Christine and getting delicious tasting coffee. You can find Westrock Coffee at a local Kroger, Bed Bath & Beyond, or go to westrockcoffee.com to find out where to buy Westrock Coffee near you. Now, back to my conversation with Christy on what to do when church gets hard. 
how can we embrace a gospel-centered approach to navigating hard things or difficult relationships at church or some of the, the hardships that you mentioned? I think about starting with the, with the two tables of the law, right? Love for God, love for neighbor. And so practically, whatever difficulties we face within the body, within the body of Christ, within the church, right. we're called to love God above all. But we're also called to love one another through them. So I'm always asking the question, um, how can I love my brother or sister well in this hardship? Yeah. What does love look like? Yes. Love might look like speaking the truth. Amen. Love might look like correcting. Love might look like overlooking an offense or, or forgiveness. Love might look like space. Like sometimes you just need a little space between you and a situation or you and an individual, but you don't need space from the gathered meeting. And so I think there's a difference between saying, okay, me and the sister can't hang out for a bit because we just need some space between us and this issue. And through prayer and time, you know, we're going to seek reconciliation. Uh That's one thing. But I think too often you know, in maybe some of those personal interactions, people will tend to say, well, actually, I just need space from the whole church. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we can talk about that some more later. But but when I say space, I just want to be specific that I'm talking about it. It might look like space from a particular individual or a particular right issue, you know, giving yourself some space with that. But love, what does love look like? I don't get a pass on that. So I think that's the gospel centered approach is that that's what we're called as believers to do is, and am I really loving God as I should, if I'm not loving my neighbor as I should, you know? So they kind of go hand in hand. I think along with that is the whole um, issue of empathy, empathize, entering into someone else's reality, someone else's space and feeling what they feel about a situation without judgment, without importing your own thoughts or beliefs, but just sitting with that person in the moment. You know, we mourn with those who mourn, we grieve with those who who grieve, we rejoice with those who rejoice. I think that that practice has been lost a little bit in the Christian community of actually sitting with someone in their hardship, particularly, okay, if it's a death of, you know, a family member or something like that, yeah, we do that pretty well. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to some of these social political issues in particular, I don't think we do that very well at all. (laughs) So. I do think it's a discipline that we need to cultivate in this day. Yeah, you're totally reminding me of Colossians 3, you know, where it's talking about that. Put on compassionate hearts, like you said, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. It takes a long time. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) It takes some time to sit with our sisters and to actually hear them out and exactly what you're recommending. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Amen. I love that question of like, what is loving? Because I think a lot of times just... I don't know if this is like a girl thing or what, but for me, I just want to grace over the situation and keep the peace versus do the hard work of making peace, really trying to dig in scripture too and see where we'll be unified ultimately in the truth. And so I love that you described how difficult it can be and that it comes with tears. It comes at a great cost and it comes with a lot of humility, meekness, and patience with one another as sisters in Christ. It's a clunky thing. And it's kind of encouraging to hear you say that it's awkward and hard, even with all the experience that I'm sure you've like gained over having done this for however long you've been walking with Jesus. You said almost 25 years now. That's encouraging, I think, to know that just because it's awkward doesn't mean you're doing it wrong necessarily. And that shouldn't keep you from doing it in the future that you don't if you don't feel like you're doing it well. That's right. And none of us are going to do it perfectly. And we just have to be willing to recognize that our goal isn't to be right. I don't know what it is about this our culture today, but, Uh you know, everybody, you know, insists on being right. And not only must I be right, but you need to believe that I'm right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And we just kind of dig our heels in. And I think we just, the goal is shifted to the, you know, just totally the wrong way. Um, The goal is not, let me prove to you that I'm right. 
the goal is, let me prove to you that I love you. Mm. Let me prove to you that you're my sister or my brother. Let me prove to you that my love for you supersedes whatever difference we might be experiencing with each other right now, you know? Yeah, it makes me think of that Romans 12, uh, outdo one another in showing honor. Yeah, in James 1, there's so many being quick to listen and slow to speak. And, mm. you Ooh, know, need to work um, on that one over here. You know, yeah, <laughs> we all do. We all do. I'm, I'm convinced none of us are immune. You know, we, none of us have arrived. Yeah, we just need to think twice. I mean, I think there was probably a time where we didn't have such an ability to communicate so quickly. And sometimes I have to think to myself, hmm, just because I can hit the button on this Voxer app and say what I'm thinking right now doesn't mean I shouldn't sit and think on it for a while. And that's something that I think in my generation in particular is the, an art that is kind of <laughs> going by the wayside just because everything comes so fast to us. You know, two days, Amazon shipping, Right, that tweet to the masses. Yes, Amazon shipping. <laughs> <Woo-hoo>. <laughs> and you know, are we even? Are the words that we're about to, whatever, post, type, speak, share, however, are they words of wisdom? Are they are they yeah. pure and peaceful? Are they gentle? Are they open to reason? Are they full of mercy and good fruits? Are they impartial? Are they sincere? Like, just yes. go back to the scripture and Amen. ask questions before you share something. And what's my heart motivation be- totally. behind? you know, what I'm about to share right now. You're speaking the language that we speak in my house with my two and four-year-old. We talk a lot (laughs) about, hey, a soft answer turns away wrath. You know, Mm -hmm. there is wisdom in that. And uh, mommy has to remember that twice as much as the toddlers. (laughs) Oh, yeah, same. (laughs) And I have a a (laughs) 12-year-old. My four-year-old, man, she will she will tell me what's up. She'll be like, you spoke harshly, mommy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing, though. Good I know. Parenting. It holds me accountable. Okay. Praise God. <laughs> what encouragement do you have for the woman who is having a really hard time, even just considering um, engaging with what we've been talking about this whole time, going to church on a Sunday morning, getting plugged into a local body of believers, because she's experienced like a hardship or a betrayal within the context of church itself. Yeah, that's hard. I mean, first, I guess my encouragement would be just to say that I'm sorry. And I really grieve that she's had that experience. Um, I don't want to minimize it at all, but just want to acknowledge, you know, where she is and what that experience has been and just to grieve with her over that. Mm. But then I think I would also encourage her not to generalize to the whole what she's experienced from a few, right? So one local body or one denomination or one individual is not the whole church. And so I would encourage her to remember that and that there are lots of good, godly churches and individuals in churches and denominations, um, none of them perfect. Right. But yeah, just to not generalize to the whole what she's experienced from a few. And then to kind of identify the source of her pain if she hasn't so that she can work on reconciliation or, or what have you without again, generalizing to the whole and just being really specific about where is this pain coming from and who do I need to direct the work of reconciliation towards? Is it the leadership of a particular church? Is it an individual in a particular body? You know, just being really specific about that so that the church can continue to be a a place where she can feel safe to go to, even if she needs to work through some things with an individual or a group. And then just make, again, I just have to say, make it a matter of prayer Uh to find someone (laughs) that she feels safe with in terms of um, helping her to work through those issues and asking God to bring that person or those persons to mind or that church to mind. Uh So, you know, maybe she just needs to ask God to point her to a local church body that she can feel safe in opening her mm-hmm. life mm-hmm. to and community with. Those would be kind of the main things that I would encourage. Yeah. How do the hardships that we're talking about today 
within the church actually, how does God use those for our good um, to shape us and to mature us? Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I think scripture tells us, right? And I could keep going to James, but in James 1, oftentimes um, the, the difficulties that we have with uh, church in various contexts, yeah. they really are kind of tests of our faith. You know, they challenge our faith. And so James tells us to count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces what? Steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So what our difficulties and hardships are producing in us, they are producing steadfastness, which in the end is going to lead us to um, completeness, that the Lord is doing a work that won't be completed unless we go through whatever it is we're currently going through. Mm. Persevering in that and seeing what God does through it and on the other end of it, that's going to give us a kind of maturity and a strengthening of faith that probably couldn't come any other way. Mm-hmm. And God doesn't trifle with us. He He doesn't just toss out random, you know, trials and, and suffering for us and say, hey, let's see what she does with this, right? There's purpose in it. Um, and one of the things Thabiti says, he says, our, our suffering is our slave, right? Our, our trials are, they are working for us and they are producing for us the kind of steadfastness and perseverance that we need and that the Lord is going to use not only in our lives, but he's going to use it in the lives of others around us. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've had, you know, some difficulty with a friend or with my own sin or whatever else. And every time the Lord uses it. And so I recognize that my trial or suffering or pain is not merely my own, but it's also a stewardship. And God needs for me to steward that well so that I can minister to others out of the pain that I'm currently in or out of the victory that I see on the other end of it. So there are many women, you know, right now who are, I don't know, struggling with various maybe they they've been extended season of singleness, for example. And maybe they're already past childbearing years um, and they're still single and they're still hoping for marriage or something to, to that effect. And what a blessing it is for them to be able to port their years of wisdom and experience um, with um, persevering with joy through singleness, um, mm. through their stages and phases of life, right? You know, we could talk about difficulty with relationships and um, how many of those I've had to navigate personally, right? And, and, and being able to walk other sisters through, other pastor's wives through, okay? How yeah. to the point of reconciling? Well, I, I can't, it, it would be di- more difficult for me to minister to those ladies had I not gone through some of the things that I have gone through and by God's grace, seen his victory on the other side. um, And now I can minister to them more fully because I've, you know, I've been on both sides of the coin Um, and, and many other things. So I just think that we just need to see whatever season or trial or struggle we're in as a stewardship that God means for us to use for the benefit of others, for his glory. Absolutely. I think about how scripture talks about the Christian life as like a battle, you know, or like uh, childbirth. Like these things are painful, but they also have, there's hope, you know, in victory and there's hope on the other side of the birth pains. There's a baby. Yeah. I can testify to that. Yeah. <laughs> that just happened to me recently. Thank you. What is the joy in pursuing local church membership and involvement, even when things are really messy and hard like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think part of the joy, again, for me, I just have to go back. That Ephesians 3, man, is something else that I would just encourage everyone who's listening to spend some time meditating on. It's such okay. a good whole book on the church. Yes, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. But part of that joy is knowing that God's wisdom is on display through the church. And part of that wisdom is knowing that my part of that joy is knowing that 
my participation is valued and it's necessary. Corinthians, first Corinthians 12 talks about this, right? Like that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one mm-hmm. member is honored, all rejoice together. So part of the joy in pursuing local church involvement is that we contribute to the unity of the body. Yes. Uh, that there may yeah. be no division. That we contribute to an idea of equal care and concern one for the other. That we're a contributor towards that. And so not participating in the body is depriving yourself and is depriving others, but participating in the body, you have the joy of contributing to the unity of the body, contributing to the care of the body, um, making sure that the whole body is functioning well and that you're allowing your part to function so that the, look, I have a bad shoulder. I had surgery on it back in December. Mm. You would be so amazed to know how vital oh, good yeah. use of that shoulder is, you know, it's just so vital. And I realized that not only has my shoulder been impacted, but my back and my yes. chest and my, you know, just other part, my arm, like sure. other parts of my body are all affected by this little, my neck, by this little shoulder joint. Yeah. And if that little joint is out of whack, even a little bit, it just causes so much. But I think that's just an accurate picture of what the scriptures teach us about the body of Christ as well. Like that one part is so vital that if it's out of socket, the whole body is going to be out of whack. But if it's doing well, then the whole body is going to do well. And so that's part of the joy to me in pursuing um, involvement in the church. Um, Even when it's hard, even when it's messy, is because your part matters. It's valuable. It's necessary even. Yes. I think Susan Hunt, she said, we belong to each other and our gifts belong to one another. Your gifts belong to me and my gifts belong to you. And that's just such strong accountability. And also, I think for those of us who may not feel like, oh, well, we're not, you know, an integral part of the church service or whatever. We're just kind of serving in the nursery or something like that's There's nothing. There's none of that. Like, it's all integral. It's all important, like you're saying. Um, So I hope everybody's just kind of I'm getting ready to run. (laughs) and race in the closet after you said all that. You know, I hope everybody's listening and they're thinking, man, I really want to get plugged in in some capacity. Um, And what kind of resources do you have to recommend to us, Christy, if we're struggling with church or just as an encouragement in our walk with the Lord? Yeah. Um, Lots of resources, I think. You know, some of it depends on what you're struggling with. Yes. What you're struggling with. Right. So I would say if you're struggling more so with kind of the idea of community or the nature of the church, um, I would recommend, this is a shameless plug for my husband, a book called what is a healthy church member. Yes. uh, He kind of outlines in that book, those kind of criteria for um, you as a church member, how to make kind of make sure that you're, um, that you're doing your part, right? Yes. And, and what it looks like um, for your part to function well in the context of the whole. So what is a healthy church member? Yes, we had Mark Dever actually on because that's one of the Nine Marks series, right? Yes. And mm-hmm. we talked mm-hmm. about what is a healthy church and that was one of my questions for him. How do we be healthy church members? And look at there, there's a whole book <laughs> on it. Thank well, you to yeah. me. Yeah. Also, you mentioned Mark Dever. He has a a small book called The Compelling Community, mm. where God's power makes a church attractive. And again, I think if the, if it's in the category of I'm just struggling with church and I don't even know if this is for me, then I think it would be an excellent book to read and consider. If it's more on the on the side of kind of church culture, mm-hmm. I don't know. I kind of like podcasts. <laughs> I won't. I don't know if I can necessarily name specific ones right off the top of my head, but maybe I'll I'll shoot you a couple of ideas, Hunter, later, later and you can post them up. But, you know, sometimes just dealing with church culture and some of the social issues that we're dealing with today, I can think of podcasts like, I don't know, maybe The Witness or... Mm truth's table or I don't know, you guys might have some other ones that you can 
uh, recommend that deal more specifically with church culture and how do we navigate some of these difficult waters that we're in on the social mm-hmm. front. If it's more personal in terms of discipleship and how to be that accountability person or seek that personnel or to get counsel or to, to be a person who gives godly counsel in the context of the church, I would say, um, I think this might be in the, the Nine Mark series, too. I guess I like that series. They're small <laughs> little books. They're easy to read. They're very, very good. But this is called Discipleship, How to Help Others Follow Jesus. Very cool. And then Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands is oh, just yeah. one of my absolute favorites. That's um, an oldie but a goodie. It is an oldie goodie. I think the subtitle is something like People in Need of Change, Helping People in Need of Change. That's who we are. And so we can all benefit from um, learning how to see ourselves yep. as people in need and then to help others um, Absolutely. who also need. So those are some that I can think of right off the top, but hope those will be helpful. To Thank folks. you so much. We'll link those in the show notes. And one of the questions that I ask all the guests who come on the show, just so we can get to know you a little bit better uh, now that everybody's heard from you and they're like, okay, I kind of just want to have tea with her. Like we were describing or coffee, if you're me and you need a little extra <laughs> caffeine. Uh, what are three of your simple joys, Christy? Oh, you just mentioned one, my Earl Grey tea every single day. That's so great. It's like one of those, you have to be like a real tea drinker to drink Earl Grey because it's like almost like the coffee of teas. Yeah, it is. That is true. Well, we lived in the Cayman Islands for eight years. And so, and I'm a country girl. I'm from North Carolina. So our tea is always cold and sweet. Oh, but that's where... Um, it's a British independent territory. Uh-huh. Yes. So that's where I learned to love tea. Um, yes. Proper tea, English <laughs> tea, those kinds of things. I love so, it. Yeah. Anyway, Earl Grey Snickers is my chocolate of choice. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I great. would be embarrassed to tell you how much I love and how often I eat Snickers, but that is definitely <laughs> That's a, a simple joy. joy. <laughs> uh, yeah, and yeah, it's all about food. So I love to cook. I love, oh. yeah, I, it's just, it's relaxing for me. Like I'm the kind of person who will literally sit down and read a cookbook from cover to cover. <gasps> That's like, amazing. It's, it's very weird. That's a true foodie. But I do, I do enjoy it. And I love learning about food and I love cooking and I love having random guests come visit me. So, hey, all you listeners, if you're ever in D.C. and you want a place to come and crash. Uh, yes, please. You know, I <laughs> see your Instagram posts and a lot of them, this is going to sound so stalkerish of me, but um, a lot of them are affiliated with food and sharing food, like sharing food <laughs> around a table with other women. And I feel jealous of those pictures because I think of what a gift it would be to share a meal with you. And so that's oh my, just, that's it. really, um, that's really cool to hear you say that and how God uses, you know, your food uh, affinity for his glory and getting to share it and break bread with other believers um, yes. and talk. I'm sure your conversations are r- just as rich as the food. I know. I wish I could record all of them. I learned so much and it is a joy. But anyway, those are a few of my simple, simple joys. joys. Those are truly the essence of a simple joy. I mean, just that you talking can about it makes me so happy. I'm sitting here like, woohoo. <laughs> I know. I'm about to go make myself a cup of Earl Grey downstairs. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> well, Christy, I know, as I've just described, you have had such a great impact on so many of our sisters and brothers in the faith, mine included. And so I'm just so thankful for for um, the way in which you have walked in obedience to what God is setting before you. And I'd love to hear from you. This is kind of the heart of the Journey Women podcast, learning from those who have gone before us. We'd just love to hear who is it that's had the greatest impact on your own personal journey with Jesus? Wow. I would say, next to my husband, I would probably say your listeners are probably familiar with Nancy DeMoss Wogamuth. Yeah, yes. I was introduced to her when she was Nancy Lee DeMoss. <laughs> when her uh, programming was only by radio and it was wow. like 10 minute segments, you know, years and years and years ago. But I would say my when I became a Christian long ago, I was introduced to her radio ministry. And I've literally been following her 
ever since. That's and amazing. I've learned so much just listening to those daily Revive Our Hearts broadcasts yes. and seeking her in broadcasts and reading her books. And, you know, in God's kindness, he's allowed us to meet and become friends. And it's just been a joy to, to learn from this older seasoned Christian over the years. So it's odd because a lot of times the person who has had the most impact tends to be someone we, you know, kind of knew personally from early on. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. it's kind of interesting for me that um, she had such an impact on me before I ever really knew her personally, but just through her radio ministry. And I say that also as an encouragement to you, Hunter, and to the many women who listen in that I'm sure that there are women out there who you are also impacting in that same way and and ha- are having such a great impact on their lives through um, your voice here on, on Journey Woman. And um, I just applaud what you're doing and thank the Lord for this space that he's given you and uh, just pray that he would continue to use you for his glory in the same way that the Lord used a radio online <laughs> kind of broadcast. Mm. To have such an effect on my life, I'm trusting that there are many who you are impacting in the same way by God's grace. Oh, sister, you're going to make me cry in the closet. Thank you. That is an encouragement. That really is. Thank you so much. It's been a joy to get to hear from you. I am ecstatic that I get to share you with the Journey Women listeners today. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. It's been such a joy. Such a joy. Thank you so much. We know showing up and doing life with other believers in the context of your local church is a challenge for some of you guys right now. We hope this episode encouraged you, but we really want to encourage you to grab a pastor, a mentor, or a trusted friend from your local church and just to let them know how you're struggling and to ask for their prayers and help. So you'll know this episode was edited by Chris Mann and the Podshaper team. Be sure to tune in for next week's episode on spiritual gifts with our very first third time guest, Matt Lance. Hey, it's a joy to get to journey alongside you guys. I can't wait to see you here next Monday. Have a great week. Don't leave, don't